Morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre. Presented by Abe's Door Service. With 24-7 emergency service where you speak to an actual person. Visit abesdoor.ca. All right, my friends. Do you like being scared? Do you like scary movies? When you awaken the dead, the further you travel, the riskier your journey will become. Insidious, the red door opened on the weekend, had a pretty good uh, weekend debut uh, for a horror movie. It knocked out uh, my Indiana Jones <laughs> movie. That's more my speed. But that's Insidious and horror movies is what led us to this next conversation. Our Sarah, our technical producer, loves horror movies. She loves, loves being, being scared. scared. Yes. And uh, really kind of the rest of us in the room, not so much. So we wanted to dial up uh, Dr. Colton Scrivener, who is a researcher at the Recreational Fear Lab at Aarhus University in Denmark. He's joining us, though, this morning from Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Dr. Scrivener, welcome back to 630 Ched. Hey, good morning. Nice to have you here. Why are you in Eureka Springs, Arkansas? Is there a cool story behind that, or you just have family in the area? Uh, there is there is kind of a fun story behind it, but uh, I own a, an inn here, and so I uh, spend a lot of time in Eureka Springs, yeah. Oh, very nice. Okay, so how did you get into studying fear? What was it for you that led you down this path? Well, when I was in graduate school at the University of Chicago, I was sort of looking into a couple different research areas, and one of those was why do people scare themselves for fun? And when I started looking into that, you know, you kind of dig through the scientific literature to see what people have done before. And when I started digging through it, I found that people hadn't really done much research at all on it. Uh, and so, you know, that made it a lot more interesting topic. And so I, as I dug more, you know, I just uncovered more and more questions that I had that nobody had answered yet. And so I'm curious whether this recreational fear lab was created by you or was it already in existence? When I, uh, when I started doing all of this, uh, there was one person who was doing some research on the psychology of horror, and that was Matthias Clayson, who's uh, the director of the Recreational Fear Lab, so he's the uh, uh, sort of creator of that. Um, but when I started working with him probably six years ago, there, there was no Recreational Fear Lab. It was, <laughs> it was him and I and a couple of other people who were just doing these haunted house studies, and then several years later, he got some research funding and started up the lab. How do you study the science of fear? Well, it kind of depends what you're uh, what you're interested in studying. For us, a lot of what we're interested in is how people and why people can have fun when they're feeling afraid. And so we go to places where people do that. Uh, we go, you know, we study people who watch scary movies. We go to haunted house attractions and we study people as they go through that. We hook them up with heart rate monitors or we set up video cameras and code their behavioral expressions or we give them surveys before and after. Uh, so there are a lot of different ways that you can study that, kind of depending on what you're interested in. And I suppose there are different levels. I'm going to use the term addiction because <laughs> I think some <laughs> people start and then they get addicted to higher, higher levels of adrenaline and fear. Is that true? That might be true for, I would say, a small subset of people, yeah. There is kind of this traditional sort of adrenaline junkie, you know, the kind that goes skydiving or bungee jumping or does you know sort of extreme sports to get that sort of adrenaline high um but surprisingly you know it 
a large number of horror fans actually aren't adrenaline junkies. Then what are they? What do we know about them? Why do they like it? Well, so we did a study a couple years ago asking this very question because sort of the you know, prevailing view was that, well, people must like horror because they like adrenaline, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's a reasonable hypothesis. And so we went to a haunted house in Denmark that we've done some research at. We were studying people and found that there's a subset of people who are, who are adrenaline junkies, you know, sort of young and, and looking for a, something really exciting to do. Uh, but a lot of them actually are what we've called white knucklers. So if you clench your fist and you look at your knuckles, you'll see kind of the white go across your knuckles, right? Um, and so we call them that because those people go through the haunted house often clenching their fists and kind of feeling afraid, right? And what we found were that these people weren't going to the haunted house or enjoying horror for um, the adrenaline rush itself. Um, but instead, one of the things that they really enjoyed about horror was it allowed them to kind of face their fears in a safe setting. And so it gave them a feeling of kind of self-efficacy. You know, if you if you overcome your fears in this way, it can give you a feeling of, uh, of self-efficacy and, of, and sort of being in control of your fears. I was going to ask you, is, is it about being in control? Is it a control aspect? A little bit, but a lot of it is really just about, like, kind of conquering things that you're afraid of, right, or doing a thing you think you can't do. But there, there, to me, there would be a, a difference between going to a haunted house that you know it's just other people who are trying to scare you, going to a movie because you know that it's not real. But then there would be the perceived reality of hiding out in a, going to a haunted house or the perceived reality of a seance or using an Ouija board or right. any of those kind of things. Uh, there's got to be a big difference between that safe thing and then the perceived reality and real danger and I still say perceived because of where I come from on this, it's got to be a big difference. Yeah, there are some differences for sure. Um, But I think, you know, like, for example, if you, uh, you know, truly believe in uh, in seances and you go to a seance, it's going to be a lot more, a lot more fear and a lot less fun, right? I don't know if I would call going to a seance recreational fear if if you believe in seances because you're probably not getting that, like, you don't have a playful frame of mind when you go, right? You're kind of there for a very serious reason. Um, so there's some, there's some similarities between those, but yeah, I would say that those are definitely different things. Dr. Colton Scrivener joining us this morning, studies fear at the uh, Recreational Fear Lab. Are there um, other certain like personality traits uh, that you have found uh, in people who enjoy fear and horror? I mean, are they super confident? Are they anxious? Do they, yeah. you know, are, are those sorts of things? Yeah, a couple things. So a lot of times people who enjoy recreational fear, enjoy sort of seeking out safe experiences of, of scary things, they tend to be a bit higher in a trait called openness to experience. And so this is sort of your willingness to explore new things. Um, they sometimes tend to be a, a little bit higher in anxiety, actually, oh. um, which kind of goes against the adrenaline junkie account, right? Um, a, lot of, a lot of people who seek out these safe experiences of fear score a little bit higher in, in trait levels of anxiety. Um, but the biggest, uh, probably the biggest correlation between personality and and recreational fear would be a trait that I've studied a lot, which is morbid curiosity. So this is, yeah, an interest in in seeking out, you know, 
information about dangerous things, which goes kind of hand in hand with with recreational fear. Well, and that's where we want to go next, because uh, all of us on the team here at the this morning at six thirty, Chad took your morbid curiosity <laughs> test. So we want to find out what this what says. It means. What? Oh what my it goodness! Means. Do I yeah, need okay. to go to a psychologist? Can you hang on the line and come back and chat about that test and about morbid curiosity? Yes, of course. Okay, then we'll be back in a couple of minutes uh, with Dr. Colton Scrivener talking about fear. service where service is their specialty proud sponsor of this morning with Jalen Nye and Daryl McIntyre I'm talking about uh, fear and why some people find fear fun with Dr. Colton Scrivener, who has been researching this for quite some time. So we talked a little bit about about fear itself and kind of some of the traits uh, that are found in people who enjoy things like horror movies. Um, Dr. Scrivener also on his website has something called the Morbid Curiosity Test, and we wanted to talk to him about that. Each of the team members here took uh, that test this morning. We talked about it just a short time ago the results of it. So when it comes to morbid curiosity, uh, Colton, when we take a look at how do you, how are you defining that uh, for this test? Because it covers a wide range. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Sort of the the core of morbid curiosity is about gathering information about potential threats, right? Or gathering information about things that are dangerous. And humans do this, but so do other animals in a lot of ways, right? Like Prey animals will inspect their predators to learn more about them. Humans, you know, watch true crime to learn more about potentially aggressive humans. Hmm. So what do you learn out of a morbid curiosity test that an individual might take? Well, oftentimes I don't look at the scores by themselves. I look at them in relation to other things. So, for example, I might look at them in relation to other personality traits. I might look at them in relation to certain behaviors um, or certain life experiences people have had. So usually I'll look at it in comparison to other things that people have done and see if if their levels of morbid curiosity can help explain parts of their personality or parts of their behavior or life experiences. Yeah, and I think we're all just saying, sitting here wondering what our test scores mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we had a couple of uh, of our team members, our technical producer, Sarah, and our uh, morning show producer, Chris Gardner, who both were fairly mm-hmm. high. Uh, Jalen was also, I would say, high in a number number of these areas. Mm-hmm. Does it de- does it depend what area? Because you have a different bunch of categories from uh, paranormal yeah. to minds of dangerous people, the body violation, the violence scores. Right. Uh, they're all very different. Yeah, well, they seem like they're very different, and certainly people can score differently on them, right, which is why we do have these different kind of domains of morbid curiosity. I mean, at their core, it's still you're still uh, – the psychology of it is very similar. So if you're interested in the minds of dangerous people, you're interested in potential human threats. If you're interested in paranormal danger, you're interested in potential – uh, paranormal or supernatural threats. You know, if you're interested in violence, you're interested in kind of the the what happens if you interact with something that is dangerous. And so there's they kind of all tie a thread together in this uh, around potential threats. But there are some some differences between the categories. And and you know when I was doing, I approached it as you know some of the questions. I don't have an interest in necessarily watching something, but I would like to know how it works. I mean, there's there's different ways approaching some of those questions. 
Sure. Yeah, and it's hard. You know, it's always hard to design surveys like that because. Mm. If you, you know, you can ask it kind of in, an, in a more direct way, like, are you interested in this? But sometimes people also don't always have great insight into, into what they're interested in um, until they're sort of exposed to it, right? Or they maybe never considered it before, or they think they'll be interested in something or not be interested in something until the opportunity arises. So if you have a higher, so the, the overall morbid curiosity score, the population average is 3.41, uh, Dr. Scribner. If yours is higher uh-huh. than that, I mean, and if it, <laughs> it's up around six, uh, that's the max. What does that say about you? Well, on its own, not not a lot, okay. right? So there are some people who have high levels of morbid curiosity and you would never guess it, right? Like, I'm guessing maybe, I don't know what you all scored, maybe you can tell me in a minute, but I, you know, it sometimes surprises people, I think, when they get their scores back, right? Um, and, you know, by, again, by itself doesn't mean a lot. Combined with other stuff, then you can get some more insight into, into someone. Daryl overall scored 3.79. Sarah. Okay, so a little bit above average. A little bit above average. Sarah was a five, I believe. Okay. Uh, and uh, he yeah. laughs. <laughs> Chris. Chris was a 4.92. So they're very close. Um, yeah. Morally, our sports guy was a 3.41, and I was okay. a 4.71. And were there any categories where people scored really high? Like, did one of you score really high in the paranormal or really high in the yes. dangerous people? Both yes. Sarah and Chris, I think, were 5.83 in the paranormal world. And I was right? a 5.67. Okay. Wow. And 5.67. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you said, I, was it you that said you didn't really like horror movies, right? Me? Yeah. Oh, God, I can't stand them. <laughs> okay. So why, so why all the interest in the paranormal? How do you how do you how do you indulge in that? How do you how do you get out your interest in the paranormal? Because the paran- the idea of paranormal doesn't scare me. I'm just right. really okay. So, but would you watch a movie about the paranormal? Would you no, be but I in that? no, I, no. I no. I would read about it. I would go to museums. Read about it. I okay. would, you know, learn more yeah. about voodoo and and you know all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So see, that's that's uh, when you asked the question earlier about, uh, or I think the question was asked about, you know, I'm interested in it, but I don't want to see it. Yeah. Um, that's like, yeah. No, that's that's exactly right. So that's why those questions are sort of designed like they are because from. From a psychological point of view, it's the it's the interest in that thing that I'm trying to capture, right? And there are different ways to be interested in it. You could watch a movie about it. You could read a book about it. You could go to a museum. Yeah, yeah. You could read a you know a website about it. And so, ideally, the test will capture an interest in that, regardless of which medium you know you prefer to do it through. Interesting. Probably my favorite part is knowing that uh, based on what you have said and based on the scores, <laughs> that neither I nor other people that I'm working with are psychopaths. <laughs> or at least uh, the right. test doesn't indicate. Or at least you don't know if they are yet. I don't, you know, don't know if they are yet. But yeah, it's, it's just test results don't say it one way or the other. Okay. That's yeah. right. And, and someone had asked uh, before before we let you go, and I think we could probably talk to you all morning, but uh, someone said, is there a higher incidence of, you know, psychopaths, sociopaths, and people mm-hmm. who get a thrill out of horror and terror stuff? Yeah. Um, so I would say that, like, if you know, if you took the population of all the people who are psychopaths, let's say, which, you know, something like one percent of the population is clinically a psychopath, uh, they probably would score a little higher in morbid curiosity, but not necessarily because they're interested in it, but because they're a little more numb to some of the things that yeah. would make them averse to it, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe for different reasons, right? Um, so it wouldn't be a very good diagnostic test of something like psychopathy. 
Interesting stuff. Uh, Dr. Scrivener, always great talking with you. I hope to do it again in the future. Thank you for this. Yeah, of course. Happy to chat. Yeah, take take good care. All right, Dr. Colton Scrivener joining us this morning. We're, We're not, all still kind of normal. We're not necessarily psychopaths. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Chris leaves the room. Right? He's like, oh, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm not right. I, I, like, I like the fact we're not psychopaths, but not considering the stories of everyone else around me, mm-hmm. I would still like to establish a safe word. <laughs> <laughs> What's your safe word? You come up with one. Okay, I'll think about it. All right. All right. <laughs> All right.